In accordance with the preliminary uh, negotiations between Irish and Soviet side in Dublin, Soviet side made proposal for uh, participation of Soviet organizations in uh, building of uh, smelting uh, factory in Ireland. The voice there of the commercial councillor of the Soviet embassy in Dublin, Mr. Hengel Jan, who this week made a concrete offer of Soviet participation in building a zinc refinery or smelter in this country. It's an offer of significance to a country that ten years ago made a dramatic breakthrough by finding Europe's largest lead zinc mine at Navin in County Meath, a find that means we're now producing more zinc than the rest of Europe put together. But before we examine that Soviet proposal, which could at last enable us to develop a smelting and metal goods industry in Ireland, let's look back at the original hopes that our valuable mineral resources would not be squandered. Brendan Hines, Managing Director of the Tara Mines at Navan, takes up that story from the time of our first major discovery of zinc at the Tina Mines in Galway by the Canadian multinational Northgate Exploration. Well, the background to the zinc smelter goes back to the early 60s. It goes back before the Tara mine was found at Navan, and it goes back to when Tina was found in 1961. Following the construction of the Tina mine and the start of production there in 1965, the idea of building a smelter in Ireland was examined by the Northgate Group. And their studies into the feasibility of a zinc refinery in Ireland were pushed forward very aggressively during 1968 when they set up a staff and hired a chief executive to do the feasibility studies and to build a plant. And that Northgate subsidiary, called the Smelter Corporation of Ireland, applied for and received planning permission to build a smelter in Cork. But part of that overall smelter plan involved the search for a partner, a partner needed to provide an extra zinc source along with the TINA output to feed and justify the smelter. For the next two years, that search went on. But by early 1970, with no partner yet in sight, the smelter plan was mothballed pending better times. The surprising thing about it was it was no more than six months later when Tara found a large lead zinc ore body at Navan in County Meath. And here we had the prospects of a zinc supply source which would enable um, a smelter to be provided with the necessary concentrates. And that discovery at Navan was to be the Klondike of Irish mining, its discovery bringing to Ireland the capacity to feed a staggering four smelters. And so the mood had changed. The smelter plans were back. But as the years progressed through 72 and 73, the Canadian multinationals in control at Tara had suffered the double blow of rising costs and problems with the legal ownership of the mine. The result? The smelter plans were once again scrapped. And out of that disappointment grew the Resources Protection Campaign, which argued that yet again we were to lose the added value from processing our own resources. The first objective was to establish, beyond any doubt, in uh, the mind of the public, that this country was indeed very wealthy in natural resources. And it is strange looking back on it now, but that was actually necessary at that time, because the belief was abroad that we didn't have any substantial uh, mineral and other resources. Secondly, the uh, objectives of the campaign was to ensure that the vast potential of the Navin find uh, and this new wealth was not going to be frittered away again in the same way as was happening in Tina 
uh, and silver mines and elsewhere at that time. And of course the um, tragedy of Tina is now coming to a close. And I think it is um, a vindication of our policies at that time that 15 years later, Tina, remember, went on stream in 1965, that we have absolutely nothing to show for it in terms of industrialization. So therefore, we set out at that time to draw the attention of the public and to create a lobby which pointed to the manner in which the resources at Navan and elsewhere could be used to make a maximum contribution to the Irish economy in terms of jobs, in terms of expansion of our industrial base, in terms of the domestic um, value added uh, that could be um, acquired from, the, uh, from an integrated approach to the development of our newfound resources. And part and parcel of these demands was the need to build a smelter, a pressure that by early 1971 bore fruit as the government offered through the IDA a partnership to the international smelting companies to build and operate an Irish smelter. Among those companies to take the bait was America's New Jersey Zinc, director Sean McHale. It so happened that New Jersey Zinc, at about the same time, were developing a worldwide uh, development of their company. New Jersey Zinc had been a domestic US supplier of zinc and hadn't looked outside of North America until the mid-70s when they decided that they should become much more multinational in their approach and they developed projects in Thailand uh, and it seemed uh, right and proper that Ireland could be part of that uh, scene. And so by 1976, for the government at last was found the ideal match, an American partner guaranteeing markets in the US for zinc produced in Ireland. Meanwhile, the Tara legal problems had been solved, raising hopes that a smelter would now be viable. But first, a smelter feasibility study would be undertaken by New Jersey Zinc and the IDA, among its terms of reference, the markets, the costs and site selection. By 1977, those results were out and the news was good. For New Jersey Zinc, in short, an Irish location was on. The basic attraction uh, was and continues to be, uh, because the conditions are still still there, uh, the fact that in 1970, following a number of reasonably significant fines around the country, uh, the real ace was hit when, when the Navin ore body was found. Uh, so there is the basic, high, very high quality... Uh, or available, uh, and that's, I think, probably the most favourable thing. Now, on top of that, uh, one had, as a, for instance, the fact that a railway line ran across the top of the ore body. This is almost unknown in the world. In the case of New Jersey Zinc's Thai Thailand project, as a, for instance, they had to actually go and build roads into the mine first, to take the ore out. So here we have in Ireland a mine which happened to be found with, uh, of all things, a, a railway line running across it. Coupled with this, you have the very favourable business environment which has been produced by the Irish government through its IDA programmes for the establishment not only of the refinery but also for the establishment of downstream uh, industry uh, utilising zinc, for instance, in the battery uh, industry and other car components, die-casting, uh, galvanising uh, industries, which uh, 
could all use zinc and uh, there was a potential to develop a sizable market. Uh, there were other major aspects as well which developed, uh, and that is that there were a number of locations in the country where the refinery could have been sited, and indeed the uh, ultimate location at, uh, on the River Shannon is probably one of the best sites in the world today with a deep water port uh, right beside a power station with a uh, railroad uh, alongside uh, and, and available labour uh, also there. Finally, there's also the aspect that Ireland is an agricultural nation and a zinc refinery will, will, uh, becomes, as part of its process, a very major a very major producer of sulfuric acid. Now, sulfuric acid is one of the basic raw materials that goes into the manufacture of, um, of, of fertilisers for the agricultural industry. And this is something that uh, NET and the government uh, through NET were also paying particular interest to. Uh, so you had all, all uh, uh, a great number of very favourable things that... Uh, uh, all added together made Ireland a very uh, very favourite location for, for uh, a zinc refinery. And so by 1977, with Tara now on stream, the smelter plans were on their way. The annual smelter output projected at 100,000 tonnes of metal and providing 500 jobs for workers. But these targets many hoped to be just the tip of an employment bonanza for industries that would feed off the smelter output. Industries expected to develop in die casting, namely the moulding of zinc components like the handles of cars. Industries also expected in the protective galvanising of steel and in the white goods industries which make items like washing machines or fridges. But for the New Jersey project, just where would these Irish benefits arise? I would have thought, and the feasibility, feasibility study indicated that the the prime candidate for downstream development for Ireland would have been the die-casting industry associated with the car manufacturing industry or the general white goods industri industries, uh, the electrical white goods industries. Uh, that was the probably the biggest uh, potential for downstream development in Ireland. Uh, if we translate it, for instance, into today's terms, and if we say that... Uh, British Leyland are producing cars in the UK, DeLorean will be producing them in Northern Ireland. All of the carburetors, fuel pumps, trim, uh, and all of the other handles uh, and, and buttons and other parts which, uh, which are made from zinc, uh, the, <clears throat> the hubcaps, the bumpers are all zinc parts as well. All of these parts could have been manufactured here in Ireland and put onto whatever cars are produced at home or cars produced in the United Kingdom, or cars produced in the EEC, we would have become a prime producer, which would have also uh, given a, a tremendous economic boost to Ireland. That was the ultimate, and I think that would probably have been the major, the biggest single uh, use of zinc in this country. But meanwhile, the Tara mine was now exporting ore without refining, with approval from the coalition government. Coalition Minister for Industry and Commerce, Justin Keating, explains that approval. The Life of the ore body is a matter of some, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, depending on the rate of exploitation. It therefore seemed to me reasonable to allow some concentrate out of the country for a time perspective of like three or five or seven years uh, at the beginning of the life of the mine uh, in order that employment could be given, that money could be earned by tar and by people like that. The smelter 
in my view, was absolutely essential. It was a high priority by the time that we lost office, and indeed a lot of work, as is known, had been done by the IDA. I gave it to the IDA for a reason that I'll come to in a minute. Uh, and they were quite advanced on the project. So that we would have done it, we would have done it, I think, reasonably quickly, but we would have done it very cautiously with a lot of allies, uh, and we wouldn't have done it automatically by simply answering the demand of the uh, mindless resource developers who say, we want a smelter. Um, we want a smelter, certainly, but in what conditions of money, of energy expenditure, of sale of the product, uh, we want, in other words, a smelter for the purpose of doing things with it. And the things we want to do with it are to affirm our economic independence, to develop our range of skills, to make some money, and to increase employment in that specialised metal area of the economy. We don't want a smelter automatically. We wanted to do things with it. We would have done that, I think. Uh, we were well on the road to doing it. But from the time that the actual mine situation was sorted out until we left office was what? Was it a matter of half a year or a year? And a smelter is not a thing you build on that time scale. By June of 1977, the coalition government was gone, replaced by a Fianna Fáil party swept into government on a wave of newfound promises, among them strong support that the smelter might be quickly built. For delegates at the Fianna Fáil Ordesh that preceded the election, Desi O'Malley's message was clear. The present minister has deferred the question of smelting the ore here and defer the question of establishing downstream industries to utilise the metal and to generate good employment. As a condition of getting their mining lease, Tara should have had to provide or arrange for a zinc smelter within four years of the date of the lease. Today, zinc smelters in Europe are working at 65% of capacity. When will we see a, a smelter in operation here? God only knows. This is a tragedy, and I give you an example from a, by analogy with another of our natural resources. If our milk were processed abroad, there would be an outcry, and rightly so. But our abundant lead and zinc concentrates are now going to go abroad to give employment in Britain, Spain, France, and Germany. The vast potential of high-grade permanent employment that could be created by industries in Ireland using refined zinc metal is lost at a time when we have 12% of our working population actually out of work and when we have an increasing population. Mr Keating has apparently nearly £10 million available to hand over to five individual shareholders in a private company tax-free. Not a penny of this is being invested in the company. If that money is so freely available now, Fianna Foyle would use it at once by investing it as the equity capital of a state-owned zinc smelter and finance the balance of the cost by export credit guarantees. <laughs> and finance the balance of the cost by export credit guarantees from abroad and by bank finance uh, here and abroad. This would open up a huge new field of opportunity for our people. It would develop a new and high-level technology based on our own natural resources. It would retain control of our minerals right down to the point where the smelted metal will be used in industrial production with a maximum added value and the maximum benefit for all our people. 
But despite the Ordesh euphoria, Tara had contracted to sell its ore unrefined to seven European smelters, one of them Metallgesellschaft in Dattel in the German Rhine Valley, the smelter's managing director. We have about, including maintenance, 450 people, and uh, we brought with us our worry mill with addition about 200 people. That means for the city of Dattel, per month about 1.3, 1.4 million of DMARCs, which goes uh, into the uh, uh, city. And hopes that the wealth created in Germany would arise at home were soon to crash. By March of 1978, despite Fina Foyle's return to office, New Jersey's Inc. had cancelled their interest in the project, causing expectations to collapse like a deck of cards. Sean McHale. Unfortunately, a number of worldwide developments uh, within the zinc industry uh, came to light at just about that time. As you'll remember, the probably the single biggest uh, effect was felt uh, by the uh, dramatic turn away by the, uh, the car manufacturers in the United States from the use of zinc and started to replace it with uh, plastic parts. As if, for instance, uh, a car uh, pre-1970, uh, in a U.S. car, uh, each U.S. car had about 140 pounds, that's LBS, of zinc in it. Today, I would guess that that's down to about 20 pounds of zinc, and it's going down. Uh, it has likewise precipitated, of course, some uh, developments in the industry in, in thin wall die casting and, and, and other areas. But that was probably the most major thing that happened. There was a complete a collapse in the market uh, uh, for zinc. In other words, people were just not using as much zinc as they did heretofore. Now, at the same time, the price of zinc, if you'll remember, started to drop fairly significantly. And obviously, in uh, any feasibility study of this size, uh, one of the one of the things that that has to be done, and indeed was done, was to run sensitivity tests to various prices of zinc. And the current and future price of zinc, as established in the study, uh, just didn't seem to be attainable at the time when the decision had to be taken on whether we should go ahead or not. So these are some of the kind of background uh, factors that in, indeed meant that at the time, and it was somewhat marginal, uh, I think if, if nerves had been steeled a bit harder uh, and if greater commitments had been made at the time uh, that maybe the project could have gone ahead but it would have meant uh, a larger than reasonable commitment by the Irish government of the day. And that government commitment was not forthcoming. A commitment that through 1978 receded as international zinc markets continued their decline and European smelters now underused were hungry for our ore. At Tara, the mine was plagued by financing crises and industrial disputes, but the ore now mined continued on its trail abroad. Nearly half a million tonnes of ore a year shipped by rail to Dublin and exported unrefined, feeding European smelters with whom Tara had contracts. And today, that trail to Europe continues unabated. Pat Rabbit, Resources Protection Campaign. The net effect, unfortunately, is that in 1980, uh, public opinion seems to be focused uh, partly as a result of the expert public relations job of the mining companies on uh, whether there is likely to be any industrial stoppages either at the mine or at Dublin port to prevent the ore uh, at its most elementary stage being shipped out 
to the seven smelters on the continent with whom Tara has contracted. So that um, all in all, you have a situation that Tina and Silver Mines uh, experiment is being continued. The mining companies, without letter hindrance, continue to export the ore, merely employing a few hundred men, which could be provided by any decent IDA project. And uh, that resource, uh, basic raw material from this country, is ironically providing uh, thousands of jobs, secure, well-paid jobs on the continent, when we have a very serious unemployment situation at home. Would you feel uh, then that the resource at Navan has in fact been squandered? Yes, I think it is being squandered if one compares it to its potential. The contribution to the economy is virtually nil. Uh, Again, by comparison to what might have been. Because you do have a few hundred miners uh, in receipt of their paychecks and the contribution that that makes to Navin Town itself and so forth. But in terms of the overall potential which I have outlined, in terms of creating a permanent industrial base in this country, uh, in terms of the technological input that would be made to that industrial base, in terms of the downstream secure jobs that might be created, well-paid jobs, uh, when one looks at it in terms of that potential, uh, yes, it is fair and accurate to describe the Navin find as currently being squandered but that Navin life expectancy could now be as high as another 30 years, a lifespan many fear may see the ore continue on its way to Europe and smelter plans shelved and forgotten. So is the smelter dead and gone? A question now worth asking as markets again show signs of growth. Will the crisis of the last three years continue or will demand again pick up? Anthony Carroll, Minerals Manager of the Institute for Industrial Research and Standards, gives his assessment of zinc prospects. Zinc, it's, the, um, it's a basic engineering raw material. Uh, It is the third largest um, used metal in the world. I think uh, you probably have something like five million tons of zinc used every year. Uh, The highest would be aluminium, probably about maybe 14 million, and copper perhaps at 9 million. So zinc is, uh, you've got this major usage of zinc. Uh, It's fallen back pretty dramatically in the past two years. It's got to come back. It's reached, got to reach an even keel. And I think turning out to the motor car industry, uh, I think the uh, the situation isn't that isn't that bad. I uh, it, I know that uh, zinc has lost out um, in some areas uh, with respect to the uh, motor manufacturer, but it's mainly in relation to uh, motor trims, things like motor. Uh, handles and mirrors and that type of thing but in the actual mechanical parts of the uh, of the engines for example carburetor and uh, brake pistons and the like um, I, I think it's making uh, to some degree a bit of a comeback and that forecast is now supported by international predictions which foresee improved growth rates for the zinc market for 1980 and 81. Predictions that estimate a peak for that market by the mid-1980s. But traditional uses apart, what hopes now exist that new outlets will arise for zinc metal? Justin Keating. The area that it seems to me, and nobody will offer you certainty on this, but and I, again I'm not an expert, but I believe to be a real area of potentially vast consumption, is the area of rechargeable large batteries. Uh, I don't think that the petrol or diesel consuming 
um, internal combustion engine will ever be totally superseded. But what I believe we're going to see uh, is a variety of energy sources for vehicles. And I think one of them is going to be the battery, uh, rechargeable. I think we're going to see that certainly within a, de a decade. Um, very major companies are spending huge amounts on research and development, and I think zinc will probably be a component of that battery, in which case then the market is enormous, much greater than any past market. And that future demand, if still undeveloped, raises hopes for the decade ahead. A decade with hopes, too, of Irish oil or nuclear power to feed an Irish smelter. A smelter that's now estimated will consume more than twice the electricity of the largest energy-consuming plant in Ireland today. For such projects is the search for cheap energy that's now an essential. The place that we should be looking to cheap energy as part of an integrated industrial and energy policy is to our own uh, continental shelf. It might be that one used a specialised power station with the sort of hydrocarbon fluid that isn't useful for petrol. It might be one, that one used natural gas. I think it's extremely important to remember that zinc making consumes a lot of energy, that energy in the world is dear and scarce, and therefore a policy about a smelter has to be put together and integrated with a policy about energy. I'm convinced that we are going into energy surplus. I know that it was possible in my time as Minister to defend Ireland's sovereignty over its own hydrocarbons. It was an accident that Britain was doing the same, that Wedgwood Ben was the Minister. And as they were able to defend their rights to the North Sea, I was able to slip in behind them and defend Ireland's rights to Irish hydrocarbons so that it's an Irish resource and not a community resource, unless it's been secretly given away in the interval in a way that I don't know about. If that's the case, then we can have an integrated energy policy and we can use our energy energy to give us industrial advantage. Uh, it means that we can have a pricing policy. It means, in fact, that we can, on the West Coast, I think, is a reasonable location because the energy will be coming in from the western part of the continental shelf, and we can bring the concentrate from the present ore body to the West Coast. Uh, the cost of transporting the metal after it's melted is very much less than the cost of transporting the concentrate. So, I think it perfectly feasible to say cheap energy from our own continental shelf, um, smelting in Ireland, not just feasible but necessary. And then, and one reason to give the task in my time to the IDA, again, merely producing zinc is not the end object. It doesn't take a lot of people. It takes a lot of capital and a lot of energy. There are very few jobs in it. But what you want to do is to plan what happens downstream. But if plans are again to develop, the commercial viability of the smelter is of key importance. Could an Irish smelter now compete with those in Europe? Would the energy cost be too high? And could we sell our output? Anthony Carroll of the Institute for Industrial Research and Standards. There is a, a certain slack, I know, in the smelter capacity of Europe at the moment, but um, I'd reckon that in perhaps three to four years that this slack would be taken up and um, there would be... Uh, a requirement for further um, smelter capacity, coupled with the fact that in the present uh, dire situation that a lot of people who are contemplating going into uh, zinc smelting, uh, I'm sure, would have shelved their programme, which would be to our advantage. On the energy uh, side, uh, there are problems, um, but the problems would probably be much the same for the other or competitors as they would be for us, particularly new or potentially new competitors. Also, of course, if we had uh, nuclear energy, uh, I'd say it would be marvellous that uh, we could just go straight ahead. 
So if the prospects now are good, who's there to build the smelter? An initiative requiring the capital, technology and expertise of the international smelting companies that the government will expect as a partner in the deal. Looking back, could New Jersey Zinc again be interested? As of this moment, uh, the market and the price of zinc uh, do not fill New Jersey Zinc with a lot of enthusiasm for getting involved in a project of this size just now. But they do maintain an interest and there are many other companies continuing to review uh, Ireland uh, as an interesting location for a zinc refinery. However, in the final analysis, uh, I believe it is the government uh, who will have to come up with the resolve to make it, uh, make it happen. I hate saying this because it's not in, in any desire of mine to rely on governments to get things done. I think private enterprise are the ones who should be leading the way. But because of the possible marginal uh, benefit in worldwide industrial terms of another smelter in Ireland, another refinery in Ireland, uh, I think that uh, it will really take uh, the resolve of the government and a partner to uh, get this one underway. And it's with the government through its industrial arm, the IDA, that the work to find an international partner continues. Partners in the past that included Billiton, a subsidiary of Shell, the Finnish state company out of Kumpa, and Mitsui from Japan. And with them, the Russians, who in 1978 offered to construct a smelter in Ireland. That offer, part of their attempts to build up a multi-million pound trade relationship with the Irish economy. But that smelter offer we heard no more of after 1978. Despite government statements that the offer was being considered, the IDA died a quiet death. But with trade still growing, we learnt this week that despite international market conditions, that smelter offer is still open. Commercial Counselor of the Soviet Embassy in Dublin, Mr Hangel Dian. At the beginning of 1978, in the result of a negotiation between Irish and Soviet side in Dublin, Soviet representatives proposed Irish side for uh, building of uh, lead and zincum smelting plant in Ireland on the condition of uh, lending uh, credit uh, for this construction. So its site is ready to make design for this plant supplying all technical documents and supply machineries and equipment, install them on the factory, train the uh, Irish specialist for manufacturing this concentrate, and uh, put in operation of this factory. We are ready to receive uh, products of concentrate from this factory when factory will be uh, start manufacturing of these products. Our Soviet organization have big experience for building industrial subject in abroad on the base of credit and uh, after all getting these materials after factory start manufacturing this material. But unfortunately, till now, we could not get any reaction from Irish side concerning our proposal. And on the third session of commission, which was held in Dublin 
in June 1979, Soviet delegation stressed again about possibilities of building this factory in Ireland, but uh, unfortunately, we could not get any reaction on that time. But does the offer still stand today? Frankly saying, we are waiting answer from Irish side. And when we get answer, if it be positive answer, uh, I think that it's, uh, it will be possible to send Soviet delegation to Ireland or invite Irish delegation go to Moscow for concrete negotiation concerning this subject. So from the Russians, that offer today is still open. An offer of credit finance, training, technical assistance and guaranteed markets. Many of the factors that now pose problems in developing a domestic smelter. But that offer, though unique in current market conditions, will ultimately be of concern to the Industrial Development Authority, that wing of government concerned with finding partners in the past. Looking back on the earlier Russian offer, Kieran McGowan, Industrial Division Manager of the IDA, had this to say. We've had some preliminary contact with the Russians uh about 18 months ago, and at that time, what they were talking about, I think it's important to distinguish uh, the Russian proposals uh, in that what they were talking about was building a plant for us as a contractor would build a factory for you. Uh, what we're mainly interest, interested in is getting people who would take the risk and become involved in the equity ownership of the project. At no stage did the Russians indicate any interest in that aspect. But while the Russians are not interested in sharing in a smelter, their offer goes further than the mere building of plant. Among the added offers now made, credit finance, technical assistance and guaranteed markets. To clarify the situation, this week we contacted the IDA, who said their original statement still stood, and it was now a matter for government. The government too we contacted, but they'd no comment to make at this stage. But comments we'll hopefully hear in the future. Meanwhile, since 1978, the IDA has continued its search elsewhere for a partner. So on that front at least what progress has been made. In the meantime, we have been involved in discussions with a number of companies about becoming involved in the equity of the project, and we have developed, in association with these companies, detailed feasibility studies in, into the possibility of going ahead with a smelter in Ireland. This, the, the project briefly is a 100,000 tonne electrolytic zinc smelter, costing in 1983 terms about £130 million and employing of the order of four to 500 workers. But is there now a general mood of enthusiasm amongst these companies in relation to building a smelter in this country? Well, the, the, the studies that we have developed with the companies have, uh, have changed because the, the base level that we started off from have, ha, has changed. In other words, the, we started off uh, on these feasibility studies talking about a, co a certain cost of power, which, uh, as you know, has increased since we started, so there's a question of revising that. Uh, the cost of metal is all the time changing and more importantly because there's such a, a large time scale involved from the planning or the day when you decide to go ahead to the day when you actually come into production the, the forecasted price at the date of commencement of production keeps changing and is difficult to get right and is of course a, a key element in, in the company's decision. Well, looking at some of these companies, one of the names that was mentioned in the past was Mitsui. Are you still actually actively pursuing the possibility of a Mitsui involvement in this country? 
We, uh, IDA, has developed a detailed feasibility study in conjunction with Mitsui Mining and Smelting, and uh, as you know, they already have a very successful investment here in cork and manganese dioxide. Um, this study took several months to develop with Mitsui, and we were also going back to them to, to revise the outcome in the light of the factors that I mentioned earlier on that have changed. So we are in detailed discussion with Missouri, yes. Just how many uh, different interests are there who would like to get involved in building a smelter here? Well, there's a small number of companies, uh, three to five sort of uh, number of companies that, that we're talking to. And what exactly is the next stage as far as the IDA is concerned? Well, what the IDA is involved in now is uh, revising these feasibility studies that we've developed with the various interests to bring them up to date in the light of the factors that are changing preparing a detailed report for our Department of, Department of Industry, Commerce and Tourism, setting out the basis on which the companies that we're talking to would become involved, setting out at the same time the, the benefits that would be involved for the country in having a zinc smelter and trying to reach a stage where we would be able to say to the department, this is what it would take to get the companies involved and this is what it would be worth the country uh, to, to have a zinc smelter in Ireland and leaving it then for the department to make the decision on the basis of the commercial information that we have developed. Well, you're talking about making a report available to the minister. When is that report likely to be actually handed to him? The, I, I would say that the report would be with the minister himself within the next few months. And the minister's comment on that report and the decisions that follow are awaited with interest. Interest by many who now feel a decision for or against to be long overdue. Indeed, the issue of building a smelter in the future at least looks more hopeful with the renewed Russian offer heard on this programme. But with the troubled zinc business today showing signs of improvement, the real question of concern facing the minister would be the timing of a smelter investment. The question of when to build or plan to come on stream. On that timing question, Brendan Hines of Tara describes what's expected of the government making the right investment decision when we see the market not necessarily being right next year or right the following year, but being right in three or four years of time, that is the time it takes to build it, that's when the right time will be. So we cannot wait until the market is buoyant. If to achieve a good investment, we will have to wait uh, for some time yet, in my judgment, before we build this thing, but that would be the, the optimum time to wait some more time. We have still to meet ourselves to make a decision as to when that is, when the time is, and we've got to, to, to make some decisions in the next six months about this matter. A clear message there from Tara that further delays and decisions could mean the loss of a smelter forever. What decisions the government will make is at this stage anyone's guess. But perhaps the final words on this story should go not to the government but to Sean McHale, a man who, despite the fact that his own company, New Jersey Zinc, are no longer interested, has his own hopes for the future. Uh, it is still possible <clears throat> that a zinc smelter can be built in Ireland. It will take all that much more uh, resolve and commitment to do it today rather than five years ago or ten years ago. But in, in, in the final uh, analysis, uh, zinc refineries, because of the worldwide available capacity, both in Europe in North America, in Australia and in Japan um, will, no matter which way you look at it, be a marginal project in return on investment terms. Uh, and it's with that in mind that I say that uh, it will take a, an extraordinary and more than uh, 100% commitment by any government, whatever government uh, uh, of the day, uh, 
to make a decision to go ahead and to support uh, a partner who has the technology in the markets. This is the only way I think it can be done. It should be done. And in terms of uh, the future uh, of Ireland, uh, I think it's something that must be done.